And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello everyone, welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 314. We're the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin and a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. We're coming at you as we always do from beautiful Chicago, Illinois, where it is indeed beautiful. Yeah. We've had some lovely spring days the last few days. It's got up in the 70s today, uh, nice and cool and breezy. People are outside enjoying themselves. You know, just think, a couple weeks ago, we actually had our last little bit of snow. Uh, so it is very much a big difference between what we just had, you know, the beginning of April. April came in like a lion and has gone out like a lamb, as they say. I think they're actually talking about March in the old saying, but that's kind of what happened with April this month. Anyway, so Avengers is out. I don't think I need to remind you folks, don't leave any spoilers on the Facebook page because you guys are excellent about not leaving spoilers on the Facebook page. So awesome. And I don't need to remind you about it. But, you know, for those of you maybe who are new to the show, you know, we don't really talk about things like that until after at least I've seen the movie. (laughs) Um, And I'm probably the one who cares the least about spoilers. Anyway, I think Pete and I are probably going to be going to see uh, the new Avengers in the next couple of weeks, uh, but it might not be this next week. It might be the week after. So, yeah, we don't always go the first week because we don't like big crowded theaters. So we, we want to be yeah, have a little bit more room around us, as it were. Anyway, so uh, we do have an issue of Thor to cover. So let's move along to our review. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. You behold in breathless wonder, the god of thunder, mighty Thor. Indeed, and this week we are looking at the Mighty Thor, issue number 395. The cover date is September of 1988. Cover price is 75 cents. Cover art is by Ron Friends and Brett Breeding. Shows Thor and he's got kind of, he's not really got his back to us, but you can see him holding his uh, hammer in one hand and kind of yelling or, or exclaiming. And there are three colorfully clad, I guess they're not colorfully, but uh, somewhat colorfully clad characters that are kind of bursting out of a very generic background. And we have the cover blurb, Enter the Earth Force. Uh, And one of these dudes is dressed kind of like a a bird. He's got like a bird helmet and he's got, they've all got these uh, belts and uh, wristbands and, and footbands that are gold. And see, the bird guy has this kind of blue 1970s-style unitard. And then there's this big guy. He's dressed in brown. And he's got, like, kind of 
light brown and dark brown in, in his costume. And then there's a woman who's dressed all in white and she's kind of waving her hands in the air like she's casting a spell or something. We'll find out what they are. I mean, it's the Earth Force. I mean, you know, from judging from the cover, we've got a would-be new superhero team emerging. Oh, these things never work, do they? I'm guessing that this is the only appearance of the Earth Force, but I guess we'll find out as we go through the issue. Opening up to the splash page, we have the title, Enter the Earth Force. Written by Tom DeFalco, penciled by Ron Friends, inked by Brett Breeding, lettered by John Workman, colored by Gregory Wright, and edited by Ralph, not the Karate Kid, Machio. And we have Thor in a very Kirby-ish pose, and he is swooping down to come into a landing on a surprisingly George Perez-ish sort of uh, cityscape, but not very Kirby-ish, but it's very George Perez. He's landing on the ledge of a, a building, which doesn't actually seem to be wide enough to support him. But anyway, he is. It says, Barely 60 minutes have passed since the Thunder God defeated the villainous quicksand and helped avert a nuclear disaster. And now... Uh, Thor is landing here. He says, The city endures, but the son of Odin must remain ever vigilant if he is to continue to safeguard it from those who would menace the innocent and endanger the just. And is referring, of course, to events of last issue. And he's standing up on the ledge, and there's a TV on in one of these uh, apartments. And it's a very large TV from the looks of it. Either that or the Ron Friends has a very weird sense of... Um, of uh, perspective, <laughs> but it, it does look like a very large TV, actually. I mean, big TVs are nothing new now, but this is kind of anachronistic for the time. Anyway, uh, so Thor says out loud, though the mortals who inhabit this world are fragile and full of faults, I am pledged to protect them. Such is my duty and desire. And Thor hears something coming over this TV set. The TV is saying, an unidentified man who allegedly employed superhuman abilities while running berserk in mid-Manhattan was critically wounded today. Police sharpshooters were forced to fire upon him when he mounted the Roosevelt Island Tramway. And Thor is looking in through the window and he sees the television and the picture of Hogan the Grim. Um, and they have like a mug shot of him up, like they had a chance to take a picture of him before. <laughs> it's like they're, they're, trying to, they're trying to take him down. And he's like, smile for the camera. Yeah. Anyway, um, and Thor says, odds blood. Tis Hogan the Grim. But what is my fellow warrior doing here? And why was he battling the police? I must streak to his side and learn the answers to these vexing questions. And to our utter disappointment, he does not remove his clothes. Instead, he whips his hammer about and flies off quickly. I guess that's what they mean by streaking in this context. Wherever a brother Asgardian is in danger, there shall Thor be found. And we shift across town to the emergency room where the uh, Expositional News Network has definitely, um, yeah, they've nailed it. Uh, we have Hogan the Grim, and he is in the emergency room. Daredevil is there, because Daredevil was there when he got captured. And there's a couple of orderlies wheeling Hogan in, and the doctor is shouting out, Move it! This man needs immediate attention! Every second counts! And there's a nurse, uh, and it's not Jane Foster, and she's saying, Oh my gosh, you're Daredevil, the man without fear! That's what the newspaper men call me. But that's no time for fancy introductions. Listen to the man, nurse, says the doctor, and stop gawking like some love-starved schoolgirl. The patient must be prepped for emergency surgery. Um, because they've actually 
not even taken his shirt off and not really examined him in any way. Um, I guess they just are assuming that he is going into surgery because they said that he was shot. Um, but okay, yeah, so they're going into surgery, but apparently they don't really know why yet. And oh, there's one of these uh, SWAT policemen here with the, uh, the white unitards. Uh, it's kind of a very 1970s kind of jumpsuit. You remember um, Big Jim? Yeah, I know we talked about Big Jim in the past on the show because of ads about him. But the the yeah, he looks like a Big Jim uh, doll. But anyway, uh, he goes, sheesh, it took 20 men in riot gear to bring him down. And look at him trying to save him. A cop was shot yesterday. I wonder if he got the same service. Daredevil says, ease up, officer. Doctors are supposed to save lives. All lives. All lives matter, says Daredevil. And he swings out the window and flips up over the edge of the building. And he's thinking to himself, I may have helped the police stop that man, but I know almost nothing about him. He claimed to be searching for Thor. I've got to find the Thunder God and learn why. And uh, he flips up onto the roof. And just at that moment, Thor comes swooping down. And he's thinking to himself, this is the place I seek. But uh, he misses Daredevil, and I think Daredevil has swung his way out of the story at this point. We then get a full page here of a cosmic voyeuroscope with a very weird sort of snaky, cobra-y frame. And standing in front of this uh, cosmic voyeuroscope is a snaky, voyeury sort of villain. And we know he's a villain because he's green and he's got armor and because he's Seth and we've seen him before. <laughs> so remember, we've had this subplot going on of Seth's armies attacking Asgard and teleporting in and out, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, so so this is connected to the subplot that we've had going on to uh, yeah, probably these last uh, 10 issues or so. We learned that his name, of course, is Seth, the serpent god of death. And he's there in his, um, about his cosmic voyeuroscope room, TV room or whatever. And he's got this little toady here who it looks like, um, I don't know, looks like somebody took a Santaran and squished them down because he's, he's really short. I, I'm sure that this character has appeared before, but I don't, I don't really have any recollection of his last appearance. I think it was in the 70s because I think that uh, there were a lot of stories regarding Seth and the Egyptian gods back at that point. But anyway, um, so uh, he's uh, saying, So, the Thunderer has finally learned that his loyal comrade-in-arms is on planet Earth and even now rushes to his side. You must stop him, Lord Seth, or Thor will learn all about your plans to invade Asgard. Bah! It is far too late to stop me now. Not even the son of Odin can prevent me from conquering his hated homeland and exterminating his loathsome people. Asgard is destined to fall. Nothing can save those upstart immortals. They have been ripe for invasion since they lost their former ruler, Odin the Almighty. My savage strike force will soon crush them, and every other plane of reality. Death will conquer all. And we see outside the uh, big pyramid where Seth and company are, and uh, there's a bunch of uh, Gawawuld. <laughs> this is what they look like. Um, but this is way before Stargate, but they do kind of look like Gawawuld. Anyway, they're standing out there with their uh, green and red armor and holding big spears and flags and stuff, and they're just standing there, I guess, waiting for Seth to give them orders. And uh, the little toady is bothering, um, is bothering uh, Seth. 
What about Thor? Silence. I have already told you that nothing can go wrong. I have planned for every contingency. Thor is racing towards a hospital. There are many within those walls who are on the edge of oblivion and are about to enter my realm. Many would gladly aid me if I were to offer to prolong their miserable mortal lives. And we shift to the hospital where we have Thor and he's kind of striding down the hallway and he uh, is going past all these SWAT people and they're standing there in, in their full armor holding guns. He's like almost like he's reviewing them. And uh, he's being very, um, I don't know, very imposing. And one of the police is thinking, there must be a lot more to this prisoner than we first thought. If a heavy hitter like Thor cares about him, and Thor is saying out loud, where is that surgeon? Have you not told him that the God of Thunder has demanded an audience? Stop fanning the halls with your cape, Blondie, and try to relax. The doc's on his way. In fact, here he comes now. And yeah, so this is the same doctor that we saw earlier. And Thor says, how is the patient, doctor? How fares Hogan the Grim? His condition is critical, son. I can't offer you a lot of hope, but I'll do my very best to save him. Is there anything I can do, says Thor? Yes, says the doctor. You can pray. Who's he going to pray to, Odin? Uh, anyway. anyway, so we go um, shifting to, it says, the nearby recovering room. Um, yeah, I don't think this guy is recovering because there's a nurse and she's sitting there and she's thinking of herself because she needs to provide exposition. This poor policeman is slipping fast. He doesn't have a chance. And there's a, um, a woman here with blonde hair who is apparently this guy's wife. And uh, she says, why did it have to be Tile? Why did those punks shoot him? I can't answer that, Mrs. Brock. And there's a policeman there kind of comforting her. Come on, you can't do any good here. Let me take you home. You should be with your kids at a time like this. Yes, Tile would want it that way. And it says, kissing him on the forehead for the last time, Marge Brock allows herself to be ushered from her husband's room. Alone in the darkness, Tile Brock sinks deeper into his coma, drifting further and further from this mortal plane of reality. And then... He hears a, um, a voice. Awake, Tyler Brock. Awake. And uh, we have uh, Tyler Brock, and he's um, standing in the uh, cavern, and there's a bunch of pink mist, and there's three other, or there's two other people there along with him, and they're all dressed in hospital gowns. So I guess in your astral form or your soul or whatever, you have to be wearing whatever you're wearing in the real world. Um, because otherwise you'd be running around naked and that would just be silly. And uh, Tile Brock is saying, What the? Where the heck am I? How'd I get here? Am I dead? No, not yet. Come forward, join the others, and all of your questions will be answered. And he, of course, is talking to Seth. And uh, Oh, I forgot Seth only has one hand. I think that actually happened in a, a past Thor issue, but anyway. Um, so Seth is talking to them. And he says, your world is in grave danger. Everything you care about, everyone you have ever loved is threatened with immediate extinction. What are you talking about, says Tile? Who are you? I am the one who will give you the power to save your planet. Tile Brock, a guardian of law and order who was shot down in the streets like a dog. Winston Manchester, 
a businessman who lived only to work and worked himself into an early grave. And Pamela Shaw, a beautiful flower that was plucked much too soon by her own hand. What did I have to live for? My baby died and my husband left me. I had nothing. I have rescued you all from the brink of death. You now possess new life, new power. Behold the sign of Eton, the glowing disc of the sun. And they're looking at their hands and they have these glowing discs on their hands. And yes, in the next we in the next moment they have changed clothes and they are the super team that we saw on the cover. Be transformed into a force of incalculable, incredible power, a force to preserve and protect the planet Earth. Wind Warrior, the mistress of the tempest, and that's the woman with the white uh, clothing. Skyhawk, the master of flight, and that's all he can do, so that's pretty lame. Earth Lord, your tower of strength. I have given you much and ask for only one thing in return. The death of this man. And he conjures up an image of Hogan the Grim. And uh, the woman is like, who is he? What has he done? That need not concern you. Succeed in your mission and you shall continue to live. Fail me and your entire world will perish. And he waves his hand, and these three large, uh, well, they're larger than humans, uh, these three new superheroes, they are teleported into the middle of the hospital, as a matter of fact, in this big room full of SWAT team people. And they just appear, and one of the SWAT team is like, oh my gosh, these people suddenly appeared out of nowhere, because, you know, you have to speak the obvious. Surround them. We'll hold them at bay until we can learn why they're here. And... Even though the Earth Master, Earth Lord, is saying, uh, Wait, we mean you no harm. We're here to uh, er, save the world. And the Air <laughs> Master is like, Forget it, Brock. They'll never believe us. We have a mission to accomplish, a job to do. Let's do it. And he does his Air Lord thing, and he swoops in, and he knocks all these guys like uh, bowling pins and there was somebody shouting, Look out, they're attacking! Because you couldn't tell that. The Earth Lord guy is, um, is going, Blast you, Skyhawk. I was hoping we could avoid a fight, but there's no turning back now. Don't worry, Earth Lord. I can whip up a small tempest and put a swift end to this battle before anyone gets seriously hurt. And she, she summons a tornado, and far from um, making people avoid getting hurt, it looks like she's just throwing people around, and I think they're more likely to get hurt then. But anyway, so they are swept aside by this, this wind. So basically she's Storm, and Storm already exists, so that's weird. Anyway, um, and Earthward says, Nice work, lady, but what are we going to do about our mission? I'm a cop. There's no way I'm going to kill a guy in cold blood. We have no choice, says Skyhawk. It's his life or ours. The man known as Hogan the Grim must die. And they, I, how do they know Hogan's name? Because I don't think Seth actually told them Hogan's name. So anyway, continuity error there. Nay, villain, comes a voice from behind them. And it, of course, is Thor. Any who would strike at my noble Asgardian friend must answer first to the mighty Thor. You can't stop us, says Skyhawk. Nothing can. The fate of our world is at stake. 
Skyhawk, wait, says the Earth Lord. And um, Wind Warrior, whatever her name is, is uh, thinking to herself, Oh no, as if we didn't have enough problems, the SWAT team is finally regaining consciousness. I've got to prevent them from attacking us. My only hope is to generate a tornado with enough force to whisk them away from the area before they can regroup. And she does that, and they all go through this uh, giant funnel uh, out to outside the hospital. But, you know, the hospital probably has doors on the first floor that they could just come in again. But anyway, they're all outside now. And she's thinking to herself, There, I managed to get them all out of harm's way without accidentally injuring anyone. I wonder how the others are faring with Thor. And the other two are fighting Thor. And for somebody who doesn't want to fight, um, the Earthmaster is doing an awful lot of fighting. But anyway, um, so Skyhawk is saying, Flatten him, you clumsy oaf. Hit him with everything you've got. Uh, that's real easy for you to say. He ain't crushing your wrist. Yield, giant, says Thor. Surrender, I say. Though thou dost tower above me, the god of thunder hath defeated those who would dwarf even thee. Big deal. I ain't giving up. Not now. Not ever. And a truly giant fist smashes Thor with a kahwunk. Now, um, I will point out that um, there is a lot of inconsistency in the size of this Earth Lord. Uh, he is about twice the size of Thor on the previous page, but in this one panel where he's going kawunk, his fist is about uh, you know three quarters of the size of Thor just by itself. So, yeah, a bit inconsistent there. Um, but he smashes Thor and smashes him through the operating room door, and uh, they're in the middle of the operation, of course. And so, I, obviously, things aren't going to be very sterile now. But anyway, one of the nurses is like, Doctor, they're tearing the place apart. We've got to get out of here. No, we can't desert our patients, says the uh, doctor. Stay at your posts. We must complete the operation. A man's life hangs in the balance. And um, Thor's thinking to himself, There are few who could equal the raw courage and selfless nobility of yon mortal surgeon. Such heroism cannot go unrewarded. My rotating Uru hammer will attract sufficient quantities of interdimensional cosmic matrix energy to form an indestructible shield over the entire operating team. I don't remember this as being a power that Thor has. Um, I'm going to call it a new power and just kind of blindly accept it. I know he's done things like it before, so maybe this is something we've seen before and, and you know, uh, Tom DeFalco is not just pulling that out of his ass. But anyway, uh, he covers them up in this sort of magical force field thing. And apparently it, it you know, stays there even after the hammer is gone. You know, the fight continues and Thor is uh, kind of coming after them. And he's shouting, stand ye back. Hogan is now safely beyond your reach. That's what you think, says Skyhawk. Earth Lord will easily crack that dome. Go to it, kid. <laughs> and Earthlord is hammering on the uh, the force field. And he's hitting it with a plaque. And he's thinking to himself, what am I going to do? If I don't ace this guy and my wife, kids, my entire world will die. But I was trained to protect lives, not take them. Cease thy futile efforts, giant, says Thor. Thy shattering force is nothing when compared to the power and wonder of Mjolnir, the sacred mallet. And inside the dome, the doctors are having a hard time. And uh, one of the, the people is like, Doctor, something's wrong. What is it, man? What is it, man? <laughs> the patient is slipping into a deep coma. 
we're losing him. So it looks like uh, um, Hogan is on death's door. And speaking of being on death's door, we shift scenes and we see Hogan in his ghostly form. So I guess when you're in your uh, ghostly form, you don't have to be in the clothes you were wearing when you went into it because he is now in his full armor, etc. And I uh, definitely are not having him in his full armor on the operating table. But anyway, uh, so he's standing there and he hears a voice. At long last, Hogan. At long last, your journey is over. Your suffering is ended. Lay aside your weapon, gentle warrior. Your days of war and conquest are in the past. You have fought your last battle. Do not turn away from me, noble Hogan. You have, just, you have lived a just life, and I have come to offer you the ultimate reward. And we see, of course, it's Seth. And uh, Hogan, I don't know if Hogan recognizes him or not. He should, because uh, I think he's met him before. Take my hand, and you will finally know the exquisite joy of eternal peace and the unending ecstasy of sweet oblivion. And Hogan is not having any of that. And he's like, never, never will I meekly accept the hand of death. And he takes his mace and he slams um, <laughs> Seth's one good hand, uh, which must hurt. And it doesn't seem to bother Seth too much. And he's like, arrogant fool, none may refuse my most generous offer. You are an insignificant little insect, a flea to be crushed and discarded. And he grabs him by the face, basically covering uh, Hogan's mouth with uh, his entire hand. And yeah, he has enormous hands, or he has an enormous hand because the other hand has been chopped off. But anyway, uh, so he manages somehow to smother Hogan with one hand and starts saying out loud, I could easily destroy you now, but you must pay for your insufferable insolence. Pay with fear and dread. I have placed my mark upon you now, where the sign of death it will fill your thoughts and haunt your dreams. Never will you know a moment's peace, for I have sealed your fate. You are destined to die when next we meet, and nothing can save you. And he's left like a, a burn mark on, on Hogan's face, and it looks like a little bat. Um, so, or maybe like serpent's fangs, I guess is what it's supposed to be, but it does kind of look like a little bat. So anyway, um, and we fade to black. Meanwhile, we go back to earth where Thor is fighting the, uh, earth force and they have crashed out of the hospital and onto the street and in, into the, um, the parking lot, apparently. Earth Lord is knocked out of this big hole and he crushes the car. And because we have to speak the obvious, there's a guy here saying, my car, that big guy just crushed it. And <laughs> when it, there's somebody else there, clear out. They've reached the parking lot. And the guy says, forget it, man. I'd much rather lose my wheels than my life. Good point, says the guy whose car just got crushed. So the, uh, you know, the Earth Lord is on the street now. And there's a cop there. And the wife of the, uh, the guy who is the Earth Lord uh, is there. And uh, Earth Lord is thinking to himself, Oh, feels like I was blasted with an MX missile. Everything is still spinning. Oh my gosh, standing behind that patrol car. It's my wife. And she's like, look, that creature has spotted us. It's coming this way. And the cop is like, get in the car, Marge, now. I'll do my best to hold it off. 
And uh, Earthlord's like, wait, it's me, it's... And the cop is shooting at it, blam, blam, blam. Uh, the bullets are just bouncing off. And Marge is like, the creature shouting something at us. Don't worry about it, Marge. I swore to Brock that I'd take care of you. And I mean to keep my word. And uh, Earthlord is, is thinking, they, they don't recognize me. My own wife and my partner think I'm some kind of monster. And then Thor and Skyhawk come crashing out of the window with a key rash. And Thor is thinking, well, maybe they're right. Now that they're outside, Thor is letting loose a little bit. And he uh, says, assassin, murderer, only a man without shame, without honor would attack Hogan in his present condition. And the Skyhawk is like, but the world is, Ugh. and gets knocked back with a swack. And then the Wind Warrior comes out and she's like, Let's go, Earthward. Skyhawk's in serious trouble. Hold on, lady. This is getting crazy. We've got to talk, says Earthward. And so uh, Skyhawk has landed on the ground, and uh, he's facing off against Thor. And he's saying, what's keeping you two? The SWAT troops are regrouping behind Thor. They're about to attack. And it says here, before the Thunder God can even leap forward, his attention is suddenly riveted by the scream of absolute horror. There is a uh, big hole in the wall of the hospital, and a patient in a wheelchair has apparently toppled out of it, and they're falling out the, uh, the window and going, ee, ee. <laughs> And uh, Thor says, Odds blood. That patient must have wandered too close to the edge of the building. My enchanted hammer will carry me to him before he can fall to his death. Thor whips his hammer around, flies up, grabs him, puts him back into the hospital, uh, and uh, one of the doctors is like, Wow, you managed to catch him in midair. Aye, but he may have been injured by the sudden shock of the impact. Thou wouldst do well to examine his ribs. Uh, Skyhawk leaps forwards, flying up, and he's saying, Thor's forgotten us for the moment. Now's our chance. And the Earthlord is like, Skyhawk, no! And, it, um, and so the uh, Skyhawk uh, kicks Thor in the back with a whack, knocks him down, and Skyhawk is like, What's wrong with you, Earthlord? We must win at any cost. Have you forgotten our bargain with the god of death? You want to live, don't you? Help me, now. We can get Hogan while Thor is helpless. The, they're kind of arguing amongst themselves, and uh, Earthlord is talking to the uh, Wind Warrior, and he's saying, What's it going to be, Pam? Your real name is Pam, isn't it? Do we really want our lives back on these terms? Enough to commit murder? I'm afraid to die, but it's wrong to take another's life. Wrong. We have no choice, says Skyhawk. We made a deal. We can't back out now. This is all happening too fast. It's totally out of control. We can't allow ourselves to be forced into doing something we'll always regret, says Earthlord. And so they decide, the three of them, that they are going to run away and leave. And so we have the Wind Warrior. She creates a big funnel cloud like she did for the, uh, the SWAT team. And um, they go taken off. And she says, we've got to get out of here. We need time to think, to plan, to figure out what's going on and why. And the Earth Lord has grabbed uh, Skyhawk. And Skyhawk's like, let me go. And uh, Earth Lord's like, sorry, fella, but majority rules. You're coming with us until we sort things out. But don't worry. We'll be back. And they go flying off in their little tornado thing. And we see Thor, and he's still in the hospital. But, of course, they run away, so everything is cool. 
and uh, Thor is rising up and they're gone and he's thinking to himself, where have my enemies gone? Why did they leave when they were so close to victory? And the nurse is like, you all right, Thor? You took a nasty hit in the back. Maybe we should shoot a few x-rays. No, there is no time, says Thor. I am needed elsewhere. And Thor goes back into the hospital where he is um, uh, removing the protective shield because, of course, nobody could possibly come back. <laughs> but anyway, he's, he uh, removes it. And he says, there, I have removed the protective shield from around his surgeons because he has to speak the obvious. It's a Marvel comic. And the doctor's like, it's about time. We thought you had forgotten all about us and the air was starting to go a little thin. How fares Hogan the Grim? I've got good news for you. The operation was a complete success. It was touch and go there for a few minutes, but your friend is a real fighter. He'll be fine. He'll be just fine. As long as there are no unexpected complications. And we shift scenes and we are back on Asgard. And we have uh, Balder there and he has Fandral and Volstagg and the Vizier there with him. And the Vizier is saying, You must act now, my lord. Time is short. The legions of Seth are about to invade us. Without the power of Thor to defend us, our eternal city is destined to fall. No, Balder, no, says Fandral. Thou must not heed the words of thy Grand Vizier. Embark not in this perilous course of action. Send us to earth, my liege, says Volstagg. Allow Fandral the dashing and the valiant Volstagg to seek the missing Thor. No, says Balder. We have already wasted one noble life in that futile quest. Ever since the Rainbow Bridge was shattered, we have lost all contact with the mortal plane. The Grand Vizier is right. We have no choice. We must call back the power of Thor so that it can be used to preserve our golden realm, even though it will mean leaving the Thunder God defenseless. Next issue, the War of the God begins as Seth invades Asgard. The Earth Force returns, the Black Knight guest stars, and Thor and Hogan journey into the realm of death. And that was Thor number 395. We are going to be talking a little bit about this right after this message. The Fantastic Arts is your guide to the Fantastic Four from the beginning of the Marvel Age of Comics in 1961 onwards. Each week, Steve Lacey and Andy Leyland cover every issue, spin-off, guest appearance and cameo, and more. And in 2015, we begin our journey through the decade that taste forgot, the 1970s. Join us as we take a look at... The departure of Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. The Kree Skrull War. The arrival of Marvel Team Up. Bill Murray as the Human Torch. Creators including Roy Thomas, George Perez, Marv Wolfman, Jerry Conway, Rich Buckler and John Byrne. And of course, Marvel 2-in-1. All this and more at ffcast.libsyn.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. The Fantastic Cast. Insert catchy tagline here. Wait, what? And we are back. And of course, we do have a few things to say about the issue, as we always do. I'm like, okay, well, we've got this sort of lame superhero team. 
It's no lamer than some of the ones we've had. I mean, what about the group that we had in the eighth day with all the, you know, the Sidorak Jewel and all these other people? You know, I mean, there, there's a lot of lame superhero groups. I'd like to think that this one is not going to be back. I mean, there's nothing particularly interesting about the Earth Force at all. We have the Earth Lord. His shtick is basically he's giant man. He's big. He's strong. You know, they may have some other ability in mind for him and, you know, involving manipulation of the Earth, but we sure haven't seen it yet. Um, we've got the Skyhawk, who is a guy who just flies. Apparently, there's nothing else he can do. I mean, not without duplicating the power of the Wind Warrior. Um, so the Wind Warrior is kind of the air thing. We've got Skyhawk, who's also kind of the air thing. And then we've got uh, the Earth Lord, who is kind of just this big galoot. And as super teams go, that's not all that very interesting. You, you'll, at very least, you want to have something where there's some contrast. Uh, for example, we have the Fantastic Four, who are basically the four elements. We've got earth, water, air, and fire. And here we've got air, air, and earth. Okay, um, yeah, and, and unfortunately, they're just not very interesting. Um, I also don't like their design. Uh, the design is very sort of Sabusema-ish. Um, they have these sort of Egyptian headdress sort of helmet things that aren't very convincing. I think one of the issues that I have with the Earth Lord is that his costume is pretty much the same colors and very similar design to Juggernaut. Um, he doesn't have the same type of helmet, but basically, it's, you, could, you could mistake him for Juggernaut on a bad day. So, you know, um, yeah, I'm not crazy about the Earth Force. And uh, I know that they'll be back, but hopefully not very often because they're not very interesting. Story-wise, it is basically a continuation of what we had before, though now the A-plot is sort of coming more into the fore. The, the Seth invading Asgard thing now, uh, that's been the B-plot until now, is now actually becoming the main thing. And this will culminate in uh, five issues' time with uh, Thor number 400. So, yeah, we're working our way up to uh, Thor number 400. Yeah, and... The, and you kind of get the sense when they're introducing Brock's wife and his partner that there's something, you know, they're trying to set the ground for maybe their own series. And, you know, unfortunately, or fortunately, maybe, that never came to pass. Um, Marvel has a lot of mediocre D-list characters out there, Z-list characters in this case, um, and not all of them can be a good book. So I I don't know what even a you know, a fantastic writer could do much with this group. They would have to completely revamp it. Anyway, uh, derivative heroes in a derivative story, but we do get a little bit of that subplot of uh, Seth invading Asgard again. So anyway, not the greatest story. Uh, Art-wise, you know, I like Ron Friends' artwork. Unfortunately, this time around, he seems to be channeling Salbusema. Again, not one of my favorite artists. Um, but it is very much Salbisema, especially in the faces. There's not, a, you know, I like it when Friends is is doing Kirby. I think he's really good at aping Kirby without making it too obvious. But, you know, there are better artists to ape than Salbisema, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, you know, all respect to Sal, but, it, you know, Friends is a better artist than Sal. I'd rather see Friends drawing like Friends and not doing a uh, you know knockoff of Salbi Sema. That, that's just kind of how I think about it. 
All right. Uh, I don't have a whole lot more to say about this. It's kind of a lame issue. But uh, anyway, I uh, hope you all have enjoyed the show this week. Thanks again for listening. And if you want to join the podcast uh, group over on Facebook, you can do so. Just look for Radio Free Asgard on Facebook and you will find us. And of course, if you want to email the show, you can do that too. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, so that's it for this week. I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard, and we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast, and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard. <laughs>